Hallelujah. 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 Welcome to church. Welcome to church. This morning, I'm going to be talking about uh, a message of titled, How to Live Long Without Pills. How to Live Long Without Pills. Essentially, it's part of the series we started talking about grace-based wisdom for long life, which means um, how do you enjoy long life? How do you enjoy longevity of life? God wants you to live a long, wonderful, profitable life. Now, how do you do that? How do you live a life whereby you don't have to depend on pills? You don't have to depend on crutches? How do you live a life so that when you get to an old age, you don't have to be bent over? God has given us some secret sources in his word that I want to share with you this morning. So, whichever place you might find yourself, you might be 50, 60, 70 years old today. This word is able to still impact your life to begin to change you profoundly from today, from, from this day going forward. Suppose you're a young person. You're in your 20s or 30s. You can begin to shape your life based on what I'm about to share today. What I'm about to share today will impact you and change your life if you embrace the lessons that God is going to, is going to show us this morning. So let's go into the text. There's a text I want to start with first. It's in the book of Todd John, Todd John uh, 2 to 4. Todd John 2 to 4. In the book of uh, the Todd John of um, the third book of John, uh, from verses 2 to 4, the Bible says, um, let me just bring it up. Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health. Just as your soul prospers. Now, the Bible says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. We're going to come back to this text in the future when we start talking about prosperity. But today, I want to focus on health. The Bible here says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. What does that mean? It means that God's will for you is health, is divine health, is to have a long life. But notice the word, just the words, just as. Just as. Just as means the extent to which something happens or a comparison to which something something is compared to. So the Bible here is saying, I pray that you prosper in all things. Wholesome prosperity in your life and living in divine health, which is God's will for you, is linked to the extent to which your soul prospers. Your soul prospers. So essentially, God has linked the prosperity of your soul to the prosperity of everything in your life and the prosperity of your body. And how do you know that this works? Suppose where you are today, you have a thought process where you start to think about something bad. Is something bad happening or you're hungry and stuff like that. You know when you think certain thoughts, thoughts have the ability to allow your body to secrete certain enzymes or certain negative chemicals in your body that can damage your body. That's the reason why somebody is constantly, if somebody is constantly thinking negative or thinking about uh, bad things happening, they 
through the process of negative thinking, they release negative chemicals into their bodies that can destroy their body. So the Bible is linking the prosperity that you are going to enjoy in your life and the divine health that you are going to receive or that you are going to enjoy is linked to how prosperous your mind is. So God is saying, in order for you to prosper in all things, whether it is in your finances, it's in your family, it's in your career, in any area of your life, to prosper in any area of your life, and to prosper with your health, with your body, to have divine health, is linked to how prosperous your mind is. So the question is, what is a prosperous mind? A prosperous mind is a mind that is focused on the truth that God has revealed. And a prosperous mind is a mind that patterns its life based on the truth that the word of God reveals. So, if there is a promise in the Bible that God has promised you, the way to become prosperous is to believe that promise regardless of what your experience is may be. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper in all things and be in good health even as your soul prospers. That is in the KJV. Even as your soul prospers, which means the prosperity of your mind, the time is the prosperity of your body, the time is the prosperity of every other area of your life. So therefore, it behoves us, the responsibility behoves us to do what? To prosper in our mind. The Bible says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Which means the extent to which our mind receives the truth is the extent to which we prosper. The word of God is the truth that sets free. So divine health is God's desire for you, but it doesn't automatically show up in our lives. We have to embrace it. We have to walk with it. We have to agree with it. We have to believe that's God's will for us. So the extent to which our mind prospers is the extent to which we can walk in divine prosperity and we can walk in divine healing. So, Second Peter chapter one verse three to four, I want you to look at another thing here about about what God has done for us. Bible says, "His divine power, His divine power, has given to us." Notice the tenses used. His divine power has, has given to us what all things, all things. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's back up. Let's back up back to. Third John 2, 4. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Prosper in all things. Prosper in all things. Prosper in all things and be in health. Go back to 2 Peter 1, 3 to 4. His divine power has given us all things. So, can you see the correlation? The power of God has given us all things. And God desires for us to do prosper in these all things that he has given to us. Not only that, God wants us to be in divine health, to enjoy divine health, to enjoy a, 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 a life that is secured in the healing power of God. That's what God wants for you. So, to enjoy this divine health, you must first what? Believe it. 
You must first believe it. Okay? So, the Bible says, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, notice the next text says, through the knowledge of him. The way God has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness is through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which we have been give, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these through these promises we may be partakers of the divine nature that means we'll be, we'll be a, a partaker of the nature of God, of the life of God, of the divine health that God supplies. So I want to take a moment to look at something. The first thing here is divine power. Divine power. Now, the word divine power is, always the word divine power is a combination of two words, divine and power. We know divine has to do with God, has to do with divinity. But what about power? This word power is the word that is derived from the Greek word dunamis. And dunamis means excessive strength or might or strength and might inherent in a thing. For example, that which belongs to a mighty army. So when you have a host, a big host with all of their weaponry, all of their power showing up in a particular place, that is dunamis. That word dunamis is the same Greek word where the word dynamite comes from. Dynamite, you want to blow up um, a mountain, you put dynamite in it, it blows up the mountain. So the dynamite, the dynamite might be something small like this, right? But that's some small, small construct. When placed against a mountain on an area on the mountain place, it blows the entire place off. Small thing generating enormous power. So, the power inherent, inherent in a thing, according to the multitude or, or mighty, mighty numbers of it, mighty number of it, is what dunamis means. So, now when you add divine to it, it means divine power. The power inherent in God himself. The excessive power inherent in God himself. So, the power inherent in God himself is what God has used to give us everything we need to be like himself. The Bible says, all that pertains to life and godliness. Everything that relates to life, the life of God, the Zohe life of God, and God-likeness, godliness, to be like God. So, everything you need to be a God in any situation has already been deposited on the inside of you. Everything, everything we need in this life has already been deposited on the inside of us. So, when you became born again, God packaged himself, everything about himself. God deposited everything about himself on the inside of you. What we now need to do is learn how to cooperate with this. And that's the reason why the eternal life of God, the Bible calls it the power of an endless life. The power of an endless life. You know what that means? The life that cannot be killed. The life that cannot die. The power of an endless life is already residing on the inside of you. The power of an endless life means every organ in your body is functioning by the rhythm of an endless life. Every organ in your body is functioning by the rhythm of an endless life. But you must believe it, people of God. 
If because you know everything in the kingdom works by belief. If you don't believe, it doesn't work for you. So how can you live long without pills? First of all, believe that every organ in your body is permeated with endless life, is permeated with eternal life, is permeated with the life of God Himself. The Bible says all that pertains to life, all that pertains to God likeness, to be like God in any situation, has already been deposited on the inside of us. Hallelujah. So you already have God Almighty living on the inside of you. So if God lives on the inside of you, the totality of who God is lives on the inside of you, that means sickness cannot live in your body. If sickness comes into your onto your body, that sickness has to die. That sickness has to disappear. Why? Because God lives in this body. And this, what I'm sharing with you this morning, requires what? Radical, radical construct. Don't use your head to start to, start to compete and say, how is that going to work? Just believe. Believe that God lives, lives on the inside of you. I've got to ask you a question. As, did Jesus, when he was here, did he suffer sickness? No. Therefore, he's saying to you, you don't have to suffer sickness. Now, if you have a sickness in your body, this message is not to condemn anybody. This message is for us to realize, listen, you have the power of an endless life working on the inside of you. There is a power at work in you. It's the power of an endless life. But what that power requires is for you to allow that power to be released. And I'm going to show you today how you release that power to work for you. How you release that power to work for you. I'm going to show you in a moment. So let's back up to another text I want to show about this divine power. In 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 5, the Bible says, we are kept by the power of God. Through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. No, you know that in 2 Peter 1 3, we spoke about divine power as given all things that pertain to life and godliness. That power is the power of God. That power is the same word dunamis, right? That is keeping us. The Bible says we are kept by the power of God. What is he saying here is this those who are born again, if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God himself is committed to your security. God himself is committed to your safety. God himself is committed to your salvation, to, to, your, to, 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 to the life that you live here. God is not just, he didn't just bring you to his kingdom, then stand by and say, hey, whatever will be, will be. No, the Bible here says his divine power is working in our lives to protect us. So that we shall we can receive the full-time salvation when Christ will come back again. God wants you to be profoundly secure in Him. He wants you to feel that He Himself is doing everything that must be done to guarantee your final eternal salvation. That's the reason why I'm I'm so grateful to God because I believe in, in the eternal security of the believer. I believe that God Himself is working to keep the believer. Now, that doesn't mean you should say, oh, I can just do whatever I like, right? But the thing is that you must understand, God himself is at work to keep you until you get to the end. Hallelujah. So, if you go back to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, because we are secured in Christ, with that knowledge of 2 Peter 1, 3, uh, uh, 1 Peter 1, 5, because we know we are secured in Christ, let's go back with that mindset that God is committed to our eternal salvation. Let's take that mindset now and go back to 2 Peter 1 3 to apply that. The Bible says, All things that pertain to life and godliness is divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. The power of God, the power of creation, 
the power of the Most High God has already given to us everything that we need to be like God, to enjoy the life of God. But the Bible says it comes through what? The knowledge. The knowledge of Him. The knowledge of Him. Which means you must know who God is. You must know who God is. You must understand who God is. You must have the right knowledge of God. If you have the wrong knowledge of God, it will work for you. I think I shared that before the other day. And I said, some people have the knowledge that God is a killjoy. Some people have the, 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 the notion that God is a killjoy. That God, you know, puts sickness on people. That God um, is getting ready to wipe people off. When you have that knowledge, if that's the knowledge of God you have, you have the wrong knowledge of God. And therefore, that power that is already inside of you will not work for you. Because you have the wrong construct, the wrong knowledge of God. So the Bible says, divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. That word knowledge is gnosko, to know God by experience, to know him for who he truly is. So through the knowledge of him, who has called us by his grace and virtue. And then the Bible says, he gave us Great and exceeding promises. So from there we see that it is through the promises of God that we gain the knowledge of God's will and or we obtain the faith we need to receive his life. So when you put the word of God first, you will come to the knowledge of what God really has declared over you. What God has said is yours. Now, as you know that this is what God has said is yours, then what do you do? you have the confidence to then receive what God has said is yours. I don't know if that makes sense. Let's go back to that text again. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 4, is divine power, that dunamis, that power of God, as given. It's already ours. Everything, all things that we need, that we need, everything we need, everything that pertains, everything that relates to the life of God, to, to being like God in any situation, that power has deposited in, 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 our, in our spirit. We already have it. But we get to know this power as we get to know Jesus. As we get to study the word, understand what he, he says, understand what he has told us we have, understand what he has said, he has declared us to be, understand whose we are. As we get to know him, as we get to understand the identity that we have in Jesus, as we get to embrace this identity, as we get to, uh, you know, allow ourselves to be one with this identity, as we allow ourselves to, in our thinking, in our judgment, in our conversation, to really embrace the knowledge of God, then what happened? We will know that God has called us by glory and virtue. We know that God has declared his glory over our lives. Okay? Now, by understanding that we have the glory of God, we have the virtue of God upon our lives, not that we work for them, we didn't work for them. There were things given to us because we have received Jesus as Lord and Savior. By understanding this, what will happen? We will then understand that we have these great and precious promises. In fact, the words used here are so profound. The Bible says exceedingly great and precious. Exceedingly means far beyond a measure. Great means at a big and abundant one. Precious means it's scarce. It's not something that you find everywhere. So God has given us promises that are far beyond measure, that are super abundant, and that are scarce. Essentially, they are precious, which means it's not something that you find everywhere. God has given us those promises. 
Now, look at the next thing. It says that through this, through these promises that are super abundant, that are far beyond measure, that are precious, through these promises, we become partakers of the divine nature. Now, this text, I have pondered it over and over and over and asked the question, how can I be a partaker of what I already have? The Bible says that we are joined together with Christ, that we are seated together with Christ, that we are of Christ, that the spirit of Christ lives on the inside of us. So what that means is as a born again Christian, as somebody who has given your life to Jesus, you are, you are, your spirit is 100% the same spirit that Jesus Christ has today. You cannot become born again without the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You cannot become born again if you don't share that Spirit. So, you already have the nature of God in your spirit. But this text says it is by these promises that we then become partakers. Now, there's a word used here. There's a word used here. I want you to see the word. The Bible says that through these things, you may, you may, you may. The word may is a word... <laughs> That is um, not certain, right? You may be partakers. So, therefore, being partakers of the divine nature of God in the context of this is not automatic. Let me explain again. You already have the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is in your spirit. You are a child of God. You have the nature of God. But to become a partaker, of that nature, which means to experience that nature. There are things that you have to do. The Bible says it is by it is through the promises that God has that God has declared. That's how you become a partaker of it. So, which means if I don't embrace the promises of God and make them mine, I cannot become a partaker of the nature of God, even though I already have the nature of God. It's, it's a bit confusing, but but what essentially is saying is this. You have the nature of God. You have the DNA of God. But it's not automatic that you become a partaker of that nature. What does that mean? Let me give an, an illustration. The way God explained this to me. Suppose you have an uncle. Or it might be your dad. Right? Let's say your father goes to an expedition. And brought in treasures. And told you that, oh, look. Johnny or, 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 or Gemma. These treasures are yours. And then they take these treasures and put them in a room, lock it up. And they say to you, look, anytime you have a need, all you need to do to lay claim to any of these treasures is you need to fill in what? A requisition form. Now, that requisition form, is, it has, has already been pre-signed, pre-approved by your father. And then all you need to do is when you, need have, when you want to partake of that treasure, you take the form, you fill the form, you go into where the treasure room is and then you hand it over. There are angels or there are people, guards in front that will go in and take the request you've taken, go into the treasure and give you the treasure. That's it, really. They will bring the treasure to you. Okay. Now, suppose you are a child of this, your father, truly a child of this, your father. You know that these treasures belong to you and you then have a need. You have something that you need to take charge of. But you refuse to fill the requisition form. You refuse to fill the requisition form. Or 
you fill the requisition form, but you are asking for things that are not part of the treasure. What do you mean by that, Davis? Let me explain. Let's say, for example, in the treasure that your father got, the spoils of war that your father got, your father has access to uh, cobalt, gold, jewelry, um, um, you know, diamonds and stuff, precious metals. But you come and you say you're looking for coal. You're looking for coal or you're looking for sand. You're looking for worthless stuff. Because the things that are in the treasure house are treasures. What you're asking for are not treasures. They are things that are common. They are things that are just ordinary. They are things that are not part of what is in the inventory there. Then you cannot get it right. Because you're asking for something that is not there. Okay, let, let's now, let, let's play that back into the Christian journey. You become born again. You have an identity with Christ. You are, you're sharing that same identity with Christ. Right? That's who you have. And the Bible says, all things that pertain to life and godliness, God has already given to us. So, these treasures, God deposited, deposited them in your spirit. These treasures, God deposited them in your spirit. You already have them. And when you have a need in any area, you are meant to fill it. Requisition from this case, you utter prayers. You make declarations. And the gods are like angels. The angels hear your declaration and they go ahead and go and bring it. The angels will check what you've requ- requested for. Is it part of the treasure? Yes, they release it. And then you go about your business. Okay. That's the way it's meant to work. Right. But let's say, for example, you have a need. You're a Christian. Let's say a need of money. Right? You need money for a particular thing. What do you need to do? The requisition form says, God has supplied all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That is what the promise said. That's what the promise said. So you want to fill a requisition form. What do you do? You say, Father, I thank you that you have supplied all my needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I claim this money that I need now by faith and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. When you release those words out of your mouth, what happens? The angels that God has already assigned to you, right? They are already around you. They hear your words as the requisition. And the Bible says, the angels... They carry out the commands of the Lord. The book of Psalms. So the angels carry out the commands of the Lord. So they can't hear the words and they begin to go and, and rearrange things in your life or around your sphere of influence to bring that money to you. Obviously, you are not going to sit down throughout the day watching Netflix throughout the day and being a couch potato. You will sit down and be going about to do your work, all the work you are doing, doing it, but you know that the, 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 the provision is coming, right? But suppose you have a need. First of all, you do not remember the promise. Remember, remember the Bible says, it is by these promises that we become partakers of the divine nature. Suppose you have this need. You did not remember the promises of God. And then you open up your mouth and begin to say, things are going down here. Nothing is going to work. Well, the house is going to be repossessed. I won't wait to send my children to school. Um, we won't have food to eat today. It's going to be a, a, a deadly winter. Somebody might just die. You are saying words which are requisition 
asking for those things without you knowing. Those things you just mentioned, you're asking for them. But because those things are not in the treasure room of heaven, God is not going to answer that prayer. Now, the question now is, you now say, if God doesn't answer, who answers? Well, the same way where you have angels, there are demons in that place. And demons hear what you say, and they say, oh, this is what this guy wants. And they go and say, let's go bring it. So, I want you to understand this concept, people of God, is very important. Because in the world system, you will have, you will be exposed to lies, deception, things that may want you to be afraid. The answer is not to start vituperating words of the enemy. The answer is not to start just yarning stuff that is not that is contrary to the word of God. That is not the way to go. When you say words contrary to the word of God, when you say words that the word the world system says, and you say, "I'm just being real. I'm just being real." That's what the system says. That's what the economy says. And you say, "I'm just being real." You are not being real, people. You are being stupid because you are now saying words that is true in the natural. But it's not the truth based on the realm of the spirit. And the Bible says the just shall live by faith. So you want to learn to allow your mouth to say what you want. And to allow your mouth to be in congruence with what the word of God has revealed. When you do this, you are praying the right prayer. There are lots of people that pray wrong prayers. And they say, ah, but this is not working. But you're praying wrong prayers. I will give you an example. I'll give you an example. Suppose you want to pray for somebody that God uh, will grant them long life. It is a wrong prayer to say, you shall not die young. That's a wrong prayer. Why? Because that prayer is focusing on what, what will not happen. It's focusing on what we don't want. We don't want you to die. So death becomes the object of focus. So as you pray, your prayer is focusing on death. You are seeing death when you are praying because that's the image you conjure by the words you speak. But if you change that prayer to the right kind of prayer when you say, you shall live long and enjoy the salvation of the Lord. Now you're, you're focusing on what? Living long. Subtle differences I know, but because words are important, every word you speak creates images in your heart. So, what are not flippant, what are not just unimportant, what you speak can change your life. So, you must choose words that build right images in your heart. I hope that helps. Okay. So, I'm just using that as an example. That the Bible says is that it is by through the promises, through the promises that God has given us. That's how we get to what? Inherit or be partaker of the divine nature. We already have the nature of God. But to partake means to share in. To share in, in order to share in, 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 in order to share in what is already ours, we have to learn to speak right. We have to learn to speak right. The Bible says, all of the promises of God have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus, to which we say, Amen to it. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. The Bible says, all of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in Christ. And as is yes, and our amen ascend to God, we bring him glory. So, the promises have been fulfilled. What do we do to the promises? 
we say amen to it. What does amen mean? It means we say so be it. It means we are saying the same thing God says. It means we are not putting to the future what God says we already have. It means when we say, I am blessed and righteous, I'm holy and blameless, I am profoundly supplied for, money flows to me in preponderant measure. When we say those things, we are not putting it to the future in the year by and by. We claim it now as our present day reality because in the realm of the spirit, it's already ours. So our conversation will be to align our thoughts and our, our conversation with what God has said. And then that brings me to a key topic about the power of your word. You see, the Bible says, long life is in the use of your own mouth. First Peter chapter 3 verse 10. First Peter 3 10 says, the one who wants to enjoy life and see good days, whether the good days are apparent or not, Notice that whether the good days are apparent to you or they are not apparent to you, the Bible says if you want to enjoy and see good days, regardless of what is happening in the world, what must you do? You must keep your tongue free from evil and your lips free from speaking guile or treachery or deceit. Let's talk about that for a moment. Let's talk about how if you want to see long life, if you want to enjoy and see, let's go back. If you want to enjoy life and see good old days, if you want to enjoy to have all of the benefits of God working for you and enjoy, and see good old days. I say you want to get to a gray old age, a good old, old age. You, want, you don't want to die young. You don't want to die young. Because that's not God's will for you. You don't want to die young. What must you do? The Bible says you must do what? You must keep your tongue free from evil and your lips from speaking God. So I'll take the part one of that. Keep your what? Mouth your tongue free from evil. What is evil evil speech? What's an evil speech? An evil speech is a speech of unbelief. An evil speech is a speech of unbelief. How do I know that? When the children of Israel, in the book of Numbers chapter 11, we, we cannot go there now. When they, they got, when Moses sent them to go and do a reconnaissance, a reconnaissance exercise, or expedition against the land of against the land of Canaan. God sent 12 people there to go and do, carry out this expedition to check out whether the land is truly a, a land flowing with milk and honey. And 12 of them went there. They even brought this cluster of grapes, a mighty, mighty grapes from, mighty cluster of grapes from uh, Eshkol. Right? They brought it there. And they sh- began to show the people and say, oh, the land we've gone to is indeed, as God said, is a land flowing with milk and honey. Look at the grapes we brought from there. But 10 out of 12 of them began to say, but the land is a land that consumes these people. Now, look at the image that is painted. When somebody says to you, oh, that place you are going, that place kills people. What image? What image is painted? Image of what? Death. Say, the land consumes the people. And then they said, we also found giants in the land, sons of Anak. And we were like grasshopper in our own eyes. Which means when we compare our stature, compared to the stature of this giant, we look like grasshopper in our own eyes. Which means we assess our worth, our value, vis-a-vis this giant and we felt worthless. We're like grasshopper. We, we ended up having this grasshopper mindset. Two of the people said, no, if God has given us that land, we are well able to take it. One 
is a statement of defeat and fear and anxiety and confusion. One is a statement of victory. When we fast forward into the book of Hebrews, when God was talking about Hebrews chapter 4, when God was talking about, about the fact that we need to labor to enter into rest of God. We need to make sure that we are resting in what God has done, not trying to work for it or not trying to uh, become anxious about it. Right? God used a word and said, let this same heart of unbelief not be in you also. And the Bible calls their report evil report. So, evil report. Why? Because it cost millions of them that God already promised that they are going to enter the promised land. Not to enter the promised land because of what? They spoke wrong. They got the wrong image in their heart. And they believed wrong. And they started to speak wrong. And God said they couldn't enter. Why? Because their words contradict what God has said. They are not using their words consistently. They are using your words to be words of death, words of failure, words of hopelessness, words of it is impossible. And because that's what they have said, and remember, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because that is what their, pre- pre- uh, their conversations have been, it is coming from the predominant image in your heart. And because that's what is happening, guess what happens? God said, you can't get there because you have painted the image as you have spoken. So it shall be. Now, the question you might then ask here is that, what does that have to do with the new covenant? Well, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, that I said earlier, when the Bible said we should labor to enter into rest, it was actually giving us an example that some of those of us who have become born again, we should, we should make sure that we do not allow this kind of mind, this kind of mind of unbelief to be in us also. Why? Why, why is God giving us this advice to not allow ourselves to get caught up in, in, this, in this unbelief is because unbelief is a record. Unbelief will not make you to reach out and receive what God has already said is yours. Unbelief will make you to not be bold to act like God wanted you to act. Unbelief will make you not to say things that God wants you to say. Unbelief will not make you to see things that God wants you to see. And God said, don't be like that. Don't be like that. So, these great and precious promises have been given to us. But we must allow our mouth and our heart to hold that same picture. And pattern our actions along the line of what God has already declared to be ours. So, in this uh, text that we're looking at, 1 Peter 3, verse 10, the Bible says, if you want to enjoy your life, you want to see good old days, what should you do? Keep your tongue from what? Evil. Keep your tongue from speaking from a place of unbelief. Keep your tongue from speaking words that contradict what God has said. Keep your tongue from speaking words that challenges what God has uh, that challenge what God has said. Don't allow your mouth to be uh, an open sepulcher, a place where <laughs> it's like a it's like a tomb of dry bones. Don't don't do that. Don't just utter words that will affect your life. God says, don't do that because what you say is what you are going to get. Okay, all right. Then he says, keep your lips from speaking guy. What does that mean? It means allow truth to come from your mouth all the time. Why? Because a person who speaks deceit, a person who lies, is patterning his or her language or vocabulary along the language of vocabulary of the devil. Jesus Christ says to the Pharisees, he says, you are of your father the devil. 
when he speaks, he speaks of himself. When he speaks, he speaks a lie. The devil is a liar. Everything he says is a lie. Everything he says is a lie. So if he tells you so, so, and so, and so, the moment the devil opens his mouth to speak, it is full of lies. And God says, don't allow yourself to pattern your vocabulary and language in the pathway of lie. Because lying is what the devil does. That is his, that is his modus operandi. Therefore, refuse to pick up the vocabulary of the enemy. Because when you begin to come into the place of prayer and you are saying things that contradict what God has said, you are lying. If God says to you, you are holy and righteous and blameless, and you say, no, I'm not holy, I'm not righteous, you are lying. And God cannot side with lie because God is a truthful God. The Bible says grace and truth came by Jesus. Book of John chapter 1. Grace and truth came from Jesus. So the reason why this is important is because even though God has pronounced the blessing of long life on you, they don't automatically show up in your life unless you receive them by faith. Once you know the will of God for your life, which is what? With long life, will I satisfy him and show him my salvation? God, That is God's word for, to you. God says, I will satisfy you with long life. That's what God says to you. What must you do? You must believe it. When you believe it, you are operating in faith. You are operating in faith. So once you know the will of God for you, what you must do is operate in faith. How do you operate in faith? Embrace the truth. Say, God has said to me, long life, long life is mine. Begin to rehash it over and over and over. Begin to pray it. Begin to say, Father, I thank you that long life is mine. Father, I thank you that long life is mine. So when you begin to pray, you are praying right. You are not praying the wrong prayer. Psalm 21 verse 4 says, He asked life from you and you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. So when we ask, we shall receive. When we ask, we shall receive. How do you ask for long life? First of all, know it is God's way for you. Number two, believe it is for you. Number three, declare it. Claim it for yourself. Say, Father, I thank you that long life is mine. Length of days length of days is mine. All things are working together for my good in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that unto gray hairs, Lord, you have carried me in the name of Jesus Christ. So make it personal. Personalize it. Speak it out of your mouth over and over. Why? Because length of days. You want to enjoy good, good old days? Keep your mouth from evil and your tongue from speaking God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. So, to ask successfully and receive it, we must ask in faith. We must ask in faith, believing that when we ask, God always gives. Now, remember, you already have these things. You already have these things. And the promises have been given to you so that you can use those promises to receive what is already yours. Right? So, what then do you do? You trust that what God has said is correct. You trust that it is already yours. You lay claim to it. The Bible says everyone who comes to the throne of grace receives what they've, what they've, what they've come. God never rejects. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly in confident faith, in confident faith that God wants to answer us and that he will freely give life to us. Let us come to the throne of grace so that we may obtain mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. So, if you have a need right now in your life, God wants you to come boldly. Don't come hidingly. 
Don't come haltingly. Don't come like, is it going to happen? Just come boldly. And when you come boldly, come with the belief that God will never say no to you. Remember what you said earlier. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. The Bible says, Jesus Christ is the Son of God and is the one whom Timothy, Silas, and, and I have preached to you. And he has never been both a yes and a no. He has always been and always be for us a resounding yes. Bible says Jesus Christ will always be for us what? A resounding yes. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say to you, whatever thing you desire, for example, long life, when you pray, believe you receive that long life and you shall have it. So if you know it's God's will for you to have long life and he has already freely given to you in Christ Jesus, when you ask him, you are not begging, you lay claim. To this long life because it is already yours you prayed by faith and then you are going to receive it hallelujah okay this is where i'm going to stop uh today i said i don't want to rush this next week i'm going to continue from here i want to start talking about uh first john 5 14 to 15 again we're going to go back to the whole concept of eternal life that the fact that you already have eternal life okay god has already given you eternal life and therefore walk from the premise that you have eternal life so if you do have eternal life what do you do you walk with a consciousness that you have eternal life. So when you hear words outside that say, oh, somebody died at 50 or somebody died at 45 or somebody died uh, at uh, 30, don't start to play the image in your mind. I say, oh, that's what's going to happen to me. When you are doing that, you are opening up your heart, right, to the devil. You are opening up your heart to lie. And if lie permits your heart, lie is going to come out of your mouth. And remember, every seed produces after its kind. If lies come out of your mouth, you are going to plant the seed of lie. You plant the seed of lie, you are going to reap the fruit of lie. And it is not God. It is not God who has done any of these things because God has given us what? The power of life and death are in the tongue. Hallelujah. So as you go, I just want you to know, be careful the prayers you are praying. Make sure that the prayers you are praying, because prayers are, prayers are essential in the work, of, in the, work of, of the kingdom. But remember that the prayers you are praying, they are not the prayers of fear or the prayers of death or the prayers of lack. Or the prayers of what you don't want. Somebody comes to you today and say, you should pray. Uh, you shall not have an accident. That's the wrong prayer. You shall get to your destination safely and in divine health. That's the right prayer. So essentially, you change the words from focusing on the negative to the positive. So that's the way I want us to begin to pray. Because believing prayers is what that is. That is not a prayer of lie. A believing prayer is a prayer that is prayed based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. A, a, a lying prayer or a prayer of unbelief is a prayer that is prayed based on a lie that the enemy has fed into your mind, based on the lie of what you have heard from, from, the, from the news, based on the lie of what somebody has told you happened to somebody. The fact that it happened to somebody is not your problem. See, let me tell you something quickly, quickly before I, I go. Something may happen even to somebody that you respect, like a man of God. It doesn't meet his God. So, if a man of God dies at 40 or falls down when he was praying and falls off and died at 45 or whatever, and they say, oh, it's because if that can happen to a man of God, then who are we? By the way, did God ask you to measure your life against a man of God or measure your life against Jesus? You've got to ask, ask, ask that question. So, the fact that somebody happens to some, somebody that you trust and respect doesn't mean it is God who, are, who, who, who took that person home. God wants you to live a long life. God wants you to live a long life. But start by believing it, see the image, hold the picture, and allow your mouth to pray it, to declare it, to claim it. Don't pray a, um, a prayer of unbelief. 
Don't allow your prayers to be prayers that are actually negative prayers that are working against you. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. So we continue this one next week. All right, I hope it's, it's been blessing you. Put these things to you so that you can receive the benefit of it. Father Lord, I just want to thank you for the gift of life. I pronounce your blessing over your children and I declare Almighty God. This one's Almighty God, we enjoy life. They will enjoy length of days in the name of Jesus Christ. And as we live here, Lord, we will put these things to use in our lives and we shall see testimonies. We shall receive testimonies. We speak life to our organs. We speak eternal life to every part of our bodies. We declare Almighty God by faith. It is well with us. We pray. We believe we receive when we pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. Hallelujah. Until next time, remember, you're blessed and highly favored.